0: Isaiah chapter 43, Um, I have, uh, the challenge this morning is of everything I would like to say, what do I have time to say, and um, just uh, you get in faith with me, the Holy Spirit's going to lead us, and obviously we're going to talk about our Savior's, uh, not just His resurrection, but uh, all that He did uh, for us, and this morning though, I want us to look a little closer at this uh, vein or or line of teaching and understanding, and and that's not just what he did, but why he did it, exactly why he did it, and and why he did it the way that he did it. We know that in the Old Testament, there was uh, a way for a person's sins to be covered over, um, for them to be uh, at least washed in in some sense with the uh, sacrifice of an animal. But that wasn't enough, uh, that, that what Father desires to do for you and in you and, and through you required more than just a temporary covering of sin. And so let's begin, I'll put it up on the screen, Isaiah 43 and 25, this is God speaking and he says, I, even I, am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake and I will not remember your sins. Now, we know that this is God speaking through the prophet Isaiah. And he had a lot to say through Isaiah about Jesus coming to this earth one day. Of course, we now live on the other side of Jesus, having come and fulfilled everything that God said hundreds of years before it ever took place through the prophet Isaiah. But we see that in Father's heart was to forgive us our sins, transgressions, iniquities. There's different... Words, even trespasses, things that we find in the scriptures that reference our sin. I'm not going to try to break down what each one of those individual words mean. But the thing I want you to see and really take hold of and even walk out of here in a few minutes with this morning is that what Jesus has done for us, He did not just for you alone, but He did it for, we could say, His sake because Jesus as a man was still God. We could say God's sake, or I like to kind of personalize it, that he did it for Father's sake. He did it for God the Father's sake. Amen. And we know, of course, that John three sixteen: for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. We know that God the Father gave Jesus. We know this was a plan that was in place before God ever created an Adam or an Eve to commit a sin or you or me to commit a sin on this planet. But notice here that... He doesn't just say that He forgives you and me for your benefit, for your sake, but that He does it for His sake, for His benefit. We have a tendency sometimes, I think, to, to only look at what Jesus has done for us in light of what it means to us, in light of what it, it, uh, uh, you know, what benefit we gain from it, what what help um, we gain from it. And, and it's sad to me that that most people, even people who have received this wonderful gift of salvation, that the most they really understand about it is that that he He forgave them for their sins so they can go to heaven one day when they die and not hell. And certainly, making it into heaven and not going to hell is a really, really big deal. But Jesus bled to death naked on a cross for much more than just your eternal destination. He had something much bigger in mind because His Father had something much bigger in mind. I want to just talk for a moment about him taking away our sin as opposed to just simply forgiving over it I believe it was Creflo Dollar who said father's desire is to treat you like your sin never happened he's always wanted to treat you like you never did a single thing wrong and of course what we know is that what Jesus did for us and the price that he paid for us affords our heavenly father that luxury where he can now relate to you love you and open a door of fellowship for you uh, so that it's as if your sin never uh, happened in the first place. So look at what the greatest prophet born of a woman, this would be John the Baptist, look at what he said in John chapter 1, verse 29. The next day John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Who takes away the sin of the world. Taking away sin is much different than covering over it or cleansing it or providing some temporary uh, measure of forgiveness for it. When the Bible says the Lamb of God took away sin, he's literally saying that he came to remove it completely out of the picture so that it's no longer a factor in your life or God's plan for your life. Now, before I go any further, and I may do this so many times that you start getting a little weary of it, but remember, He took away your sin not just for your benefit. He took it away for His Father's benefit. He took it away not just for what it would mean to you or do for you, but what it would mean to Father and what it would do for Father. Okay? All right? So this is John one twenty nine, and, and that word, behold. Behold the Lamb of God. Behold means to take a long and thoughtful look. To, to look intently upon. To consider carefully. To, to spend some time lingering. Some, sometimes we glance at the Lamb of God. Sometimes we, we just, you know, every now and then look His way. Uh, and, and yet that's not what we're instructed to do here. Now, in, 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 in John the Baptist's days, he was literally talking about Jesus walking towards him. But for you and me, we, we have a fuller picture than John had when he first said, Behold the Lamb of God, Right? We, we have the Lamb of God living on this earth a sinless life. We have the Lamb of God going about doing good and destroying the works of the devil. We have all of those things to behold, to consider, to, to, to take a long and thoughtful look at. So he says, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Let's go to um, 1 John chapter 2, verse 2, and we find kind of a, a unique word in this passage where it's speaking of Jesus, and He Himself is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the whole world. Now, there's two things I want to draw your attention to in this passage, and that's the word propitiation, but then also that Jesus is not just the propitiation for our sins. I'll explain what propitiation is here in just a moment. But notice that He's the propitiation for the sins of the whole world, okay? the sins of the whole world. Now, this word propitiation is a very unique word. It's a salvation word, and it literally means to bear the brunt of judgment. It literally means to take the blame and punishment for for sin or for wrong. So when it says that Jesus was the propitiation for our sins, it literally means that he took the blame and the punishment for your sin and for mine. Now, here is a place where if we, if we had a couple of hours, and I know we don't this morning, I would spend some time in other places in the Bible trying to show you and, and explain to you, and we've done this in the past here at Heritage, is that Jesus was a once and for all sacrifice for sin. Jesus did not just pay for the sin that people had committed up until the point that he was nailed to the cross. But Jesus paid for all sin that will ever be committed on planet Earth, both past tense, present tense, as well as future tense sin. That's why if someone should choose to receive the gift of salvation this morning, Jesus would not have to leave his throne in heaven and go be crucified again to pay for that sin because the sin that he would forgive you for this morning has already been forgiven when he allowed himself to become your sin on the cross so long ago. So he was one sacrifice for all sin for all time. Hebrews really, the book of Hebrews really gets into the details of this when it compares the Old Testament system of sacrifice to cover over sins to the New Testament Lamb of God who didn't just forgive or cleanse or cover but took them away in that He was the one sacrifice for all sin for all time. And and the writer of Hebrews, the Holy Spirit, obviously points out that in the Old Testament, that system of sacrifice had to be repeated over and over and over again because it was only good for the sins that were committed up until that point in time. But that Jesus came. Amen. Come on now. This is why He has perfected forever, the Bible says, those who are being sanctified who come to God through Him. Now, let's go to Hebrews Chapter 8 and verse 12, he says, For I will be merciful, this is God speaking again, to their unrighteousness. And notice what he says, And their sins and their lawless deeds, I will remember no more. I will remember no more. Hebrews 10 and 14, he says, For by one, sacrifice, for by one offering, speaking of Jesus' offering himself, he has perfected forever... Those who are being sanctified and the context of this is is speaking of men and women who have received the gift of salvation, and when you receive the gift of salvation at that moment, you become both perfected forever as well as an ongoing work in progress and, and you have to understand spirit, soul, and body to really make sense of this verse but let me let me try to explain it to you this way: when you were born again, when you were born again, our our father created a new reality on the inside of you amen it's the reality of the new birth it's the reality of 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 a new creation it's the reality of the old person you were dying and the new person coming alive inside of you he put a new spirit in you he didn't refurbish your old person he re he, he buried that old person with jesus and he put a new person a new man a new woman inside of you and with that came a new reality and that new reality is one who has been perfected forever. Now, that's your spirit. You are a spirit. You possess a soul and you live in a body. Amen. And we know that our, our, our mind, our emotions, our will, and, and then our, the works in our physical body, they're playing catch up with what God has already done at the deepest level of your existence. Amen. Where this new reality, this new reality God has produced inside of you. Now amen i know we're covering a lot of ground kind of quick like are you still with me can you hear me over the rain all right i can get loud if i need to but i don't want to get so loud that it's it's uh, annoying amen now you know unless the holy spirit ever tells me not to there's some things that you just you know it's okay to ask but there's some things that you don't even have to ask amen you never have to ask jesus if it's okay like for, for you to tell a lie you never have to ask. I mean, there's certain things that are given, amen? And for me, it's, it's a given that if it's Easter, I've got to at least remind you of the completed work of Jesus, amen? At least explain to you, either in great detail or in, uh, in expedited form, the completed work of Jesus. Now, as Jesus hung on the cross, he said, it is finished. And he was talking about him becoming your sin and paying the price and the penalty for that, amen? But we see that Jesus' completed work began long before he breathed his last, last breath on the cross. And it continued after he breathed his last breath on the cross. And so there are six key, I know that sounds like a lot, just stay with me. There are six key things that you need to understand about what Jesus did on this earth as a man for you. Amen. Anybody remember in school when you would have a substitute teacher? A teacher who would come and stand in for your regular teacher? They would be a substitute. Amen. So when Jesus came to this earth as a man, He came to this earth as a substitute on your behalf. He came to this earth to do some things for you, and in order for them to be done for you, He had to become as you. So what He did for you, He did as you. Amen. So I'm going to put those six things up on the screen and then just briefly mention them. Now, in times past, we have gone through and given you at least two or three verses for each one. We're not going to do that this morning because there's a little more that I want to try to get into as it relates to Jesus did all of this, not just for your benefit, not just for your sake, but who, who, who else's sake did he do it for? Somebody shout it out for me. He did it for Father's sake. He did it for Father's sake, all right? But um, let's, let's begin with, and so I call this identifying with the completed work of Jesus. So we talk about identifying with something. We, we talk about adopting it as your own, where it's not just something that you view as having been done at some point or some time in the past, but something that you identify with and you connect with personally, okay? So if your favorite football team wins a national championship, more than likely, the next morning at work, you talk to your friends about what we won last night. We won the national championship. We won the title. We beat so-and-so, so-and-so, and we haven't even gotten off the sofa, right? But what are we doing? We're identifying with it. We're, we're accepting it personally. We're, we're taking someone else's victory and, 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 and assuming it for ourselves and celebrating that victory as if we were the one who caught the winning touchdown pass, okay? So when we talk about identifying with the completed work of Jesus, we're talking about not just beholding what he has done, taking a thoughtful look at what he's done for us, but connecting with it on a personal level and recognizing that he did it for you as you. Amen? So, number one, we see Jesus' supernatural birth. His supernatural birth. Okay? Then we see that he lived a sinless life his sinless life. Amen. Number three, his death on the cross. Number four, his burial. Number five, his resurrection. And then it doesn't end there. Number six, his ascension. To ascend means to go up. This is when he ascended to Father's right hand. He ascended to the throne of the universe, just like A king or a queen on the earth would ascend to um the throne there's there's coming a day amen um i I don't believe she'll outlive us all uh queen elizabeth my goodness um there's coming a day when when someone else will ascend to her position they will ascend to the throne of england amen and so when jesus ascended when he left this earth and returned back to his father's right hand he ascended to his father's right hand to the throne of the universe now Sadly, what most people connect with on this list of six is Jesus' crucifixion, his death on the cross, that Jesus died for my sins, okay? Most born-again people um, will tell you at least that much and understand at least that much about, uh, you know, Jesus and and what Jesus has done for them. If you used to ask them, hey, tell me what Jesus did for you. Jesus died on the cross for my sins, Okay. Well, amen. You're absolutely right, okay? And if one-sixth credit for a right answer counts for something, then you got one-sixth credit. But he did much more for you than just die on the cross for your sins. As a matter of fact, if all he did was die on the cross for your sins and was never raised from the dead, the Bible says you're still in your sins and you're still as loose, as lost as a goose in a hailstorm. Amen? Uh, that, I blew that line, didn't I? Amen. You still with me? right, okay, you're still lost. That's what I get for trying to be cute, amen. So you're still lost, all right? And so his resurrection is also extremely vital and extremely important. But let's go all the way back to his supernatural birth. We know that Jesus was born supernaturally from the womb of a teenage virgin girl named Mary, amen. But his supernatural birth, being born of the Holy Spirit, amen is also a giant index finger pointing to our new birth. Amen? Because if you've been born again this morning, we're not talking about another natural birth. We're talking about a new birth, a supernatural birth, where you also have been born from above with the same seed of the Word of God that Jesus was born from as it was placed in the womb of Virgin Mary. Then we see that Jesus lived a sinless life. This is where Romans says that he condemned sin in the flesh. Amen. Meaning what? Meaning he came as you and then lived a sinless life for you. In other words, when I couldn't live a sinless life for myself and you could not live a sinless life for yourself, Jesus, as your substitute, lived a sinless life for you and then gave you the credit for living a sinless life. This is what it means to be made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Amen. Listen, I don't want to get too far down this road, but you know, God could have chosen to give us Jesus' gift of righteousness with Jesus having never left the throne in heaven and coming to this earth. But because he came to this earth as a man and lived a sinless life as a man, he can now give to you right right standing with God, righteousness, amen, as a man, as a human being. Because Jesus did it as a human being, he can now give that gift to you and make you right before God in the eyes of God. Now, his death on the cross... I was being generous when I said you get one-sixth credit if all you understand is that Jesus died on the cross for your sins because really and truly there's more to it even than that. The Apostle Paul said it this way. He said, I was crucified with Christ. In other words, he recognized that when Jesus was nailed to that cross, the old men and women that we were at the spirit level of our being was nailed to that cross with him. This is where our old man died in Christ. Amen. And this is where his burial... You see, Romans 6 makes it very clear that if we died with Christ, then we have also been raised up together with Him to newness of life. This is why we're here today to not only celebrate the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, but we're here this morning to celebrate our resurrection. Because we died with Him, we were also raised up together with Him to newness of life. This is how we became a new creation in Christ Jesus. We see throughout the, uh, the letters, the epistles... Uh, after the book of Acts, we see in different places where Jesus was the first born from the dead. When Jesus was raised up from the dead, he was literally born from that state of death. Amen. And we see that when we are born again, we are also born from that state of death from our, our sin that Jesus paid the price for. Then comes the one that is very, very hard for a lot of people uh, to lay hold on, but not you because you're faith children of a faith God and you believe every word that God has to say to you in his word. And Ephesians chapter 2 actually says that when Jesus ascended to the right hand of the throne of God as our substitute, that the, the substitutionary work of Jesus does not stop at the resurrection, but that we have ascended with him and that we are now seated together with Jesus in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus don't choke on that don't choke on that now amen so clearly we benefit greatly from what Jesus did for us through his completed work as us as one of us But again, Jesus did not do it for our benefit alone. He paid the price for our sins to be taken out of the picture once and for all so that Father's desires for us could be accomplished. In other words, if Jesus didn't just do it for you and me and for our benefit, but he did it for his Father and for his Father's benefit, this means that what Jesus did through his supernatural birth, sinless life, death on the cross, are you following me, burial, resurrection and ascension what jesus completed and accomplished through all of that for you as you he also did it for you as you for his father to put you in a position that you could have never been in before to put you in a situation that you could never ever buy pay for earn do good enough be good enough give enough sacrifice enough to ever arrive at on your own Forgiveness for sins, covering over or even cleansing sin was not enough for Father's plan to work. Sin had to be taken away and it had to be taken away once and for all. Wow. Here's one of my favorite verses along these lines. Hebrews chapter 7 and verse number 25. It says, therefore he is is also able to save to the uttermost Save to the uttermost those who come to God through him, since He always lives to make intercession for them now here, here 's what again we have like uh, this is almost like uh, easter great easter 's greatest hits or something because the, the certain things that i 'm mentioning this morning are things that we have covered extensively and exhaustively on previous Easters or at other times throughout the year, and things that we have taught and I apologize if i 'm only just you know barely touching on these things that could could you know really call for an entire um, sermon series but the bible makes it very clear that jesus is our redemption the verse that we read in first john that he himself is our propitiation not was our propitiation but that he is our propitiation You see, because Jesus is alive today and He is our redemption and He is our propitiation and He is our justification and He is our reconciliation, all of those things that we now possess as born-again sons and daughters of God, right, that's not based upon your works. That's not based upon your performance. It's not based upon what you've done for God lately. It's based upon what's been done for you by our living, eternally living, resurrected Savior, Because he is our redemption, that means the price that he paid to bring you out from slavery to sin. Because he is our redemption and he never dies, amen, our redemption is eternal. Our salvation is eternal. So, pastor, I I don't know about that. uh, My church doesn't teach that. Well, just, I, I didn't say that, the word of God said that. I've had people tell me before, Pastor Mark, you mean to tell me that, no, no, I don't mean to tell you, I'm telling you what God told you, okay? Now, this verse here is one of 15 I could have, you know, put up on the screen this morning, but it pretty much just sums it all up. Therefore, therefore means in light of, in light of all that's been explained up until this point, again, we don't have two hours to do that this morning. Therefore, in light of everything that's just been explained, he is also able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him since he always lives to make intercession for them. Uttermost means completely, thoroughly, entirely, forever. I'm going to say it again. Completely, thoroughly, entirely, forever. If you've been saved by the blood of Jesus and by his completed work, you have not been saved partially. You have not been saved, uh, uh, you know, almost um, and te- or temporarily. See, that, to hear a lot of people talk about it, this is what, this is what you would think, you know, that, that Jesus has done for us. That our salvation is temporary. That our salvation is dependent upon works. And that, and that somehow we've got to finish in the flesh what, what we could never produce in the flesh. That we've got to maintain by our own good works, what we could never produce by our own good works. Read the book of Galatians. This is the mistake that the Galatians made. They supernaturally were born again and came to salvation and righteousness by faith. And then they said, okay, we'll take it from here, Jesus. You cannot finish what you could not produce. You cannot maintain what you could not produce. No, He's able to save you, come on now, completely, thoroughly, entirely, forever now not trying to make a joke here but despite our tremendous experience with sin we have little understanding of what it is or why it is such a problem for god okay and because of this listen to me now i'm not i'm not you know this is not hellfire and brimstone part of the sermon just hear me though please you know we we've We've allowed ourselves to be deceived. And, and this is really, in the time that I have remaining, I want to try to focus on this a little bit, okay? We, we've been tricked into thinking that all God wants from us is, and I've got a couple of different ways of trying to say this. Hopefully one of them will register with you. We've been tricked into this idea that all God really wants from us is a give-and-take relationship. And what I mean by a give-and-take relationship is, you know, what we can do for him so that we can get him to do some more stuff for us. And we tend to think in terms of what Jesus, you know, his completed work, we tend to only think and only have the perspective of what it means for us and, and what he did for us and what's in it for me and as we've been saying from the very opening verse this morning it's it's not it's not only about you okay now to say that it's not about you at all would be wrong because obviously Jesus did some stuff for you that you could never do for yourself and and through that and you receiving that he has made you something that you could never make yourself he's produced a reality in you that you can never produce on your own so to say that it's not about you and I, and i i have heard pastors preach both sides of this you know that it's that it's all about you and it's not about it's not about father or it's not about god and then then i hear the other side of that coin is they they preach the error that it's only about god and has nothing to do with you well it's it's not either or it's both and okay but where we get where we get off track and for those of you who are guests with us this morning we've been talking here at Heritage about the difference between God having a fond uh, place in your heart um, versus us having respect for him. And when we only have a fond place for him in our hearts without any real sense of duty or responsibility or respect for him, we are easily deceived into thinking, that it's okay if we do this, or it's not that big a deal if, if we go here. Now, I'm not talking out of both sides of my mouth. He's one sacrifice for all sins for all time. Amen. But when we only look at our, and I'm just using this term loosely, Father wants more than, than relationship with you. But if we only look at our relationship with him as this give and take, um, I'll do a favor for you, God, if you'll do a favor for me. Um, You know, we have earthly relationships like that, don't we? You know, you help a friend move and it's like you owe me one. You know, it's like I've done this for you. Now, whenever I need you to do something for me, I'm not going to be bashful at all to ask. And and there's a real problem. There's a real, real logjam with this approach to relationship with God because the Bible's very clear in Romans 4 that he's freely given you all things, but he will not owe you anything. And, and when we think that our relationship with God is nothing more than give and take, that, you know, we're going to do this for him to get him to do this for us, and then we're going to do some more stuff for him because we need him to do some more stuff for us, um, we're, we're splashing around in the shallows at best, okay? And, and so when we only, though, this is, this is what happens, though, when we only consider the completed work of Jesus from the perspective of what it means for me what it's done for me, what it's accomplished for me, how it's changed me, how it helps me, how now I get to go to heaven when I die, and me, 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 me. And yes, I'm not saying that's not true, it is true, okay? But you can live your whole life from that perspective and never understand that there was actually a much bigger picture behind why Jesus did all these things for you and for me. So, again, despite our tremendous experience in sin, we have little understanding of what it is or why it's such a problem for God. Sin, maybe you've heard this before, the word sin literally means to miss the mark. To miss the mark. Now, if, if there's a mark to miss, that means there's a mark to hit. Right? Right? If, if there is a, um, you know, if you, let's just, for some reason when I think of this, you know, we call them marksmen for a reason, right? A marksman is someone who can pull up a rifle or, or string a bow with an arrow and they can hit the mark, meaning what? There is, a, there is a target to hit. If they missed the mark, that means they went left, right, above or beneath the target. So a, a marksman, what does a marksman do? A marksman hits the mark. So sin then is anything in your life or my life that would cause us to miss the mark. Now, hopefully this will lead you then to a very important question. One of the most important questions you could ever ask. So what is the mark for my life? In other words, and who gets, to us, who gets to decide what it is? Let me tell you, it's not you and me. I don't want to offend any parents in the room this morning, but it, it's, it's not even a parent's place. We're to set standards and have expectations for our children, absolutely. We're to, we're to guide them in, in, in the path that God would have for their lives, absolutely. Absolutely. But God established a mark for all of us before any of us ever lived. The Bible says that He gave you purpose and grace in Christ Jesus, watch this now, before time began. This idea that, you know, and and I understand, you know, just listen to me. Don't get offended, just listen to me. This idea that you can be anything that you want to be. Not if you're a child of God. It's already been decided for you. Keith Moore does some tremendous teaching along these lines. If, if, if you know, this whole idea that, you know, we tell our kids, look, you live in America, honey. You can do anything you want to do. You can be anything you want to be. You're, you're mistaken. Not, not if you're interested in hitting the mark that God had established for your life before time began. See, he, cre- he created your purpose before he created you. He created your destiny before he created you. He created the life that he meant and intended for you to live before you ever lived a single day of it. Sin is missing the mark. This is why the Bible says, listen to me now, whatever is not of faith is sin. Man, I'm being tongue-in-cheek here, right? These folks who think that they can actually live a sinless life without the Lord, Aren't they so cute, right? Man, what in the world? Man, help us, Jesus, right? Because just when you think you haven't broken any of the commandments, remember there's that whole part about knowing to do good and not doing it and it being sin. That ought to tell you right there. If sin's missing the mark and not doing good when you know to do it is sin then rather than thinking of something that will send you to hell, how about thinking about something that will cause you to veer off course from the destiny and the purpose that Father God created you to fulfill on this earth? You still with me? Let me give you another a little deeper meaning of sin. Sin from the Greek is the word homardia. And it means to miss the full scope and true end of one's life. To miss the full scope and true end of one's life. Anything that you would do that would cause you to miss the full scope and the true end of one's life. He's simply talking about your destiny here. When Romans 12 talks about the good, acceptable, perfect will of God. He's talking about the beneficial, well-pleasing, all-encompassing will and plan of God for your life. But when we look at sin as something we will try not to do too much of so that God will still do things for us, when we play games with sin, listen to me now, when we play games with sin... And pretend like modern culture gets to write the rules. Also known as everybody's doing it. See. You're, you're, you're wasting your precious life by trying to justify positions outside of the word of God that your own heart and conscience tell you that you've got no business participating in, Right? But notice, what is it doing? It's it's costing you and me, if if we do these things, from experiencing the true end, full scope true end of our lives, the fullness of it. Listen, God created you for a meaningful life, for a, a meaningful life, a full life. Amen. That's not just in number of years. So according to your Creator Father, what is the full scope? and true end of your life? What is the mark that we're all uh, wanting to hit? What greater destiny does he have in mind for you? Think about it now. This is a destiny so great that he would send Jesus to do for you what has been done for you so this purpose and destiny could be an option for you once again. Did I just lose some of you? I have... um, I've been given an assignment and I am just for sake of accountability I am staying true uh to that uh, to that assignment the Lord has um has revealed some things to me and um from his word amen I'm not trying to act like this is some uh something new but he's he's revealed uh some things to me and some ways to communicate some uh of his truth to his people and the Bible says that when God does that for a man or a woman, that we then become a steward of that, we become responsible for it. Amen. And um, and I am, uh, amen. I am I am staying true and I am staying faithful to that. And without trying to, that's all coming in the days ahead. I'm I'm, I'm writing. I'm sharing. I'm I'm making notes. And and amen. And that that's in the near future should jesus tarry his return but one of the things that the holy spirit has helped me see and you know there's degrees and levels of seeing right if any man thinks he knows anything he knows nothing yet as he ought to know what the bible says and what he has opened my eyes to in 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 greater fashion is is certain verses that we see throughout the word of god that if you're just like reading along in the Bible, it can be a verse that maybe you pause for a minute, maybe you've highlighted, but it's like, wow, that's that's amazing. I, mm, does that really mean that? Okay. And then we just keep reading along. And then, depending on how frequently you read through the New Testament or whatever, you know, it may be weeks, it may be months, it may be years before you come across another verse that, not the same verse, but another one that's also kind of, you know, And you kind of highlight it, but if you're not careful, you'll you'll quickly dismiss that. How many of you know this this word talks about God has prepared things for you that your eyes have never seen, your ears have never heard, and, and has never entered in to your wildest imaginations? The things that God has prepared for those that love him. And see, what happens is we just so quickly write that off as to be in heaven one day. No, 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 my friend. He's talking about right here, right now on this earth you see your destiny is so great that jesus had to come to this earth and do everything that he did for you and for our heavenly father so that the the destiny that he had for you before the foundations of the world could once again be an option paul says it this way in Philippians: he says i'm now reaching to lay hold of that for which christ jesus has laid hold of me picture if you will a kid who's trying to ring a, a basket, but is too short, not big enough to ring the basket. But then all of a sudden, his father picks him and the basketball up and holds him over his head, so that the goal, <clears throat> the mark that was previously out of reach, can now not only be reached, but but can be swished. Right? It it it, it can be uh, accomplished. You see, fathers. Purpose and destiny for you, amen, established before time began in Christ Jesus. It was out of reach for us. Our sin separated us from Him, and we can't reach that destiny and fulfill that purpose without Him. And so as long as our sin separated us from Him, our destiny was out of reach, and we had no hope of ever, ever accomplishing it. So this is why sin couldn't just be shellacked over. Swept under the rug. This is why it had to be paid for once and for all. But God is a just God. He can't just pretend like your sin didn't happen. So, what was his plan? His plan was for someone who was more undeserving of punishment for sin than we all collectively together were worthy of being punished for sin to be punished in place of all of us. And that's Jesus. Now that the sin, the homardia, has been removed. There's nothing, there's nothing, there's nothing that can keep you from fulfilling your purpose and destiny. The Apostle Paul said it this way. He said, you're not limited by God and you're you're not limited by me, Paul speaking, right? He says, I'm not holding you back and God is certainly not holding you back now. He said, you're only limited by your own affections. You're only limited by your own affections amen we tend to get stuck on what god can do for us i'm asking you this easter sunday morning let's move beyond never forget it but let's move past what he's done for us and realize that what he did for you as you he did for you as you so that he could then have the opportunity to do something in you wanted to do something in you. That's why he did for you what he did for you. He wanted the opportunity to do something in you. And there's a sermon series in and of itself what he's done in you. He's made you a new creation. He's put his kingdom in you. He's put his spirit in you. His living holy spirit, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead now lives inside of each and every born again child of God on this planet right now. He has done a work at the deepest level of your existence. He has created a new reality inside of you but let's not stop at what he's done in you because what he's done in you he did in you so he could do with you do you see the difference here so he could do with you what he wants to do with you you were created to live on a level you can't get to by yourself father wants you to go there with him He wants to take you there. But let me tell you the final frontier. You know that, is it Star Trek, space, the final frontier? Let me tell you the final frontier of this Christian life. Are you ready? It's not what he's done for you, as important as it is. Not what he's done in you, as important as as that is. And it's, it's even more than what he wants to do with you. My friend, your destiny involves the creator of this universe living through you. He wants to live through you. This is why Paul said, now here's one of those verses that you read it and you either read over it or maybe you highlight it or maybe you've heard a sermon on it or whatever. This is, what, this is why Paul said, are you ready? He said, for me to live is Christ. This is why John said, as he is. So are we in this world. My friend, this is when we've gone beyond what He's done for us, what He's done in us, what He's doing with us to now He's living through us. Can I tell you what this world needs more than it needs? Any other thing you could ever come up with. It needs the sons and daughters of God to take the rightful place and let the Creator and lover of men's and women's souls live through them once again. My friend, that's Best way I know how to tell you what Easter is all about. Amen. Stand with me this morning. Praise God. Praise the name of the living God. Praise the name of the living God. Praise the name of the living God. With heads bowed and eyes closed, no one looking around. Amen. Just a moment for some quiet, uh, inward-looking introspection. Just to close yourself in from who's around you and what's going on around you. I know. Probably some of you have, you know, different plans and that sort of thing after this, and and that's all fine and dandy. But let's um, let's let's be in this moment right now together with the Lord and with the Holy Spirit, if we could, please, Amen. If you're here today and you'd say, Pastor Mark, um, I've heard you talk about what Jesus has done for me and and has done for all, every person that ever has lived or ever will live. but I have never received for myself what He did for me. As my substitute, I've never accepted that gift for myself, and on this Easter Sunday morning, 2022, I'd like to, I would like to accept this gift of salvation. If you're here this morning, and that's you, could I just see your hand? Just raise your hand, real, real quick, like it's okay. Amen. We're not trying to embarrass you or put you on TV or anything like that. We're just trying to, to uh, make sure that every person in the room, either has been or has been given an opportunity to receive this wonderful gift of salvation this priceless gift of salvation amen amen all right i want to i want to pray for all of you then because that tells me father that every person and and I, i feel satisfied in my heart father that every person in this room has had a salvation experience with you and father maybe they didn't understand what all jesus did for maybe they didn't understand what all they received the day they received the gift but now father they know more about it and they have a better Uh, understanding from which to be thankful and so lord we we rejoice together for that and father I, i thank you that that we're going to move beyond this very shallow understanding of your desire for us as only being this give and take let's make a deal kind of approach to a relationship with you father thank you for what you've done for us but lord in reality um you've already given us everything according to your word You've freely given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. You've blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. By Jesus' stripes we were healed. There's nothing this morning that we could ask you for that you haven't already freely given to us. And so, Lord, it's not about this give and take, what we can do for you to get you to do something for us. Lord, it's allowing you to work in us, giving you place in your word place and the assembling together with other believers place in our lives and families that it deserves. Father, it's about, it's about making your things a priority over our things, your agenda a priority over our agenda, Lord, so that you can work in us. And, Lord, the things that you want to do with us, things that you want to enjoy with us, Lord, just like, just like a, a parent would enjoy time with their child, Lord, you want to enjoy some things with us. And then, Father, this final frontier of you living through us, and your image being reflected through us to a world that has lost sight of you, Father. To a world that is so desperately hungry for you, but not really sure where to find you, Lord. Lord, help help us be the men and women, Lord, that are this epistle. Lord, that, that, that we would be the Bible that people read, that they would see and hear and watch and learn and understand from our very lives, that there is a God in heaven and that he loves and he loves deeply. Father, thank you. So many other things that we could say and and Lord, it it just seems so uh, inadequate to say simply thank you. But Father, thank you from the bottom of our hearts. Thank you for loving us, for always believing the best about us, for never giving up on us. Thank you, Father, for the plans and purposes that you have for our lives. Lord, forgive us for for wasting time. Forgive us for pursuing other things when the real joy and the real peace and the real satisfaction in life is hitting the mark that you have established for our lives. And so we bless you this morning, Lord. We give honor and glory to your name. And we pray these things in our resurrected Savior's name, Jesus. Amen and amen. Praise God. Thank you so much for being here this morning. Good things coming to you and to yours. Shake somebody's hand. Tell somebody you love them. If you see somebody you don't know, introduce yourself. Amen. And we will see you Wednesday night, if not before. Praise God.